And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Front and Nationwide is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know Blue Jackets tickets tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. This isn't just for Blue Jackets tickets, though. Browns, Bengals, Reds, Indians, Crew, you name it, any Major League sport, any Major League team, Game time is your app for last-minute, highly discounted tickets. Head to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Hello and welcome to Front End Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets Podcast. Aaron Portsign with you on a crisp autumnal morning. Allison Lucan is here. Hello. The Blue Jackets flew home la- last night from Toronto, Allison, with a, a rather momentous, unusual, memorable 4-3 to overtime win over the Maple Leafs. Low these many years, 1,451 games the Blue Jackets have played. Never have they won a game on a penalty shot in overtime. Did you ever think you'd see it? <laughs> well, nobody's seen it, right? This is the first? Am I incorrect in that across the league? It, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going to have to look and ask the league on that one. I know it's the first in Blue Jackets history. Are you telling me no one ever has won an overtime game in a, on a penalty shot? Let's let's double check that. I think that was a note from the uh, – what is today? I think that was a note 
but I'll have to find it. Let's like see here. Ever? I know that it's the first time that. Let me go through these. The first time the Blue Jackets. Oh, it is Blue Jackets history. Sure. There you go. Okay, there I was going to say that's a lot of games. Yeah. Uh, Blue. First time the Blue Jackets have won a game with a power play goal, a shorthanded goal, and a penalty shot goal. Now, to be clear, some are saying, well, that's also the first time then that they've scored this, 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 and this, a power play shorthand, even strength, and penalty shot goal. Well, that penalty shot goal counts as an even strength goal. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, if it's scored at even strength, and it was three on three. So the Blue Jackets, they've done that once before, believe it or not. And this is this is almost, <laughs> this is almost more remarkable. The previous time the Blue Jackets had a power play goal, a shorthand goal, and a penalty shot goal was December 17th, 2005, when they lost 7-3 to in Nashville. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Whoa! Now that's a game. Um, they had a weird game a couple few years ago in Jersey, if you remember. Sedlak and Dubinsky scored shorthanded goals, oh, yeah. scored penalty shot goals. I think they also had a shorthanded goal in that game. Um, that was a wild one. I think they scored four games, none of them had even strength in that game. Um, was, was that the one where Dubinsky also lost his teeth, or was that on the island? I can't keep his teeth <laughs> straight. Um, yeah, no, I don't I don't remember that aspect of it. Maybe I was just so caught up in the two penalty shots scored. Because that's really rare. Like, if you think that, so this team, this is their 19th season on the ice. They've scored 15 penalty shot goals, right? And they think they've attempted 38. Wow. Um, yeah, there was a stretch there where, you know, there you look through the Blue Jackets record book, and there's a lot of times where you go, God, Rick Nash was unbelievable here. Yeah. There was a stretch where I think he took eight straight penalty shots for them. Wow. Which, I mean, which tells you, like, who's carrying the puck and who's being the most dangerous. Right. Uh, I mean, holy smokes, that that's a lot in a row. Uh, but Viborny had many, many in the early stages of the of the franchises. Last night it was Gustav Nyquist, who, as I've noted, boy, he sure reminds me a lot of his style of play, his smarts of David Viborny. But what a game last night, Allison, to be down 3-2, heading into the third period, Fourth game in six nights on the road against a really talented offensive team that you can't open up too much against, or you're gonna it's gonna get ugly. That's a big one, is it not? To come out of there with a win. Oh yeah, and the the things that I really take away from that game are first and foremost to go up to nothing, right? I think that that helped the mindset and the approach for the balance of the game versus chasing it, particularly against a team like Toronto. Now, of course, Toronto comes back and ties it, but you already know you can score on these guys at that point. Um, and you already know your penalty kill is, is perhaps back to form when they get that shorthanded goal as well. Um, yeah. So I really like that in terms of the approach to the overall game. And then I also really, I mean, we've talked about this a couple of times. We will continue to, I'm sure. But I thought Corpusalo looked really strong last night. And just, yeah. you know, Tom mentioned this in, in his uh, observations as well. But he just, it's about how he's carrying himself. It's about his energy as he, as he stands and plays in net. He continues to look more and more mature there. And I think that matters. Yeah, he's just so, I mean, this is the the one thing, speaking of Corpusalo, that, that occurs to me. And Tom noted it last night. But it's there. It's He's not in such a hurry. Right. Like it just feels 
he's not overextending here and then needing to really overextend back to get there. It's just everything's under control. Right. Everything's smoother. And, and that they have said, he predicted, the team predicted as well, that with regular playing time, that sort of uh, confidence and calm would come into his game. We haven't seen much of it. That's really been the, well, the one knock right. against him. Uh, but boy, he, he looked, I think last night was as composed and under control as I've seen him, I think. Yeah. And I, and again, I think that, you know, I, this is not to discount the Blue Jackets, but when you look at the offensive talent he was facing, sure, I think that, you know, and there were, I mean, we, I tweeted out gifts as they were happening, but there were some big time stops by Corpusalo. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we've also always, the knock too has always kind of been, there's always the one you want back, right? And I feel right. like last night he was making those saves where maybe in the past we were all like, and he was, he was a big part of that win. Yeah. And they gave up two goals in the final minute of the first and second. Well, one goal in the, in the final minute of the first, one goal in the final minute of the second. Yep. Those can be, ugh, those can be just gut-wrenching, especially when you, you've played so well and deserve to have the lead and then you go into the first intermission uh at 2-2 instead of up right that could be disheartening but it hasn't been disheartening uh, speaking just for a second more in corpusalo last five starts 921 save percentage so that's that's good pretty impressive yeah. um i i i think they the one thing we've seen i think from this club I was thinking about this last night because it, it has occurred to me before before this, but I think you can say it with certainty now. Um, it, you don't – let me backtrack even further. You <laughs> don't know how the room is going to handle losing all the players that this team lost. In other words, the players may say things, and they're always going to – they're mostly always going to toe the company line. Of course we're going to be competitive. Nope, we believe in the guys in here. The young guys are going to be fine. They say that. They're going to say that. They should say that. They should believe that. But you don't really know in their heart of hearts what they truly believe. And you wondered, I did anyways, as this season started or even in camp, is there some, I don't know if resentment is too strong a word, but are there questions in the heads of some of the, especially the, vest, the varsity players in there, the veteran players? Why didn't they replace those guys? Like, why aren't they giving us a fighting chance? Why... Right. Why did they put together a team that they thought could win the Stanley Cup last year, and now they're sent, now they've lost those guys that made us the team that could win a Stanley Cup, and now we're just supposed to keep going? Like, you could see those questions being possible within the minds of some of the players in there, and so you wonder what is this going to be like? Do the players really believe? They're saying they believe, but do they really believe? And the one thing that they're nine games in here, hard to 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 make too strong a case on anything but the one thing i think we've seen is that the spirit of this group is really really strong like they do believe that they are a very good team a competitive team uh john tortorella with a great line after the game last <laughs> night we're supposed to suck and of course he said it in toronto right where most of the media from this league emanates he knows what he's what he's saying. He's no. He knows who he's saying it to. Um, I don't. I think this. The, the spirit of this group is seems to be really, 
really strong because Allison, I think they could have won the last four games, maybe the last five games. Yeah, I mean, I think that there is a there is an intention <clears throat> to their play that is palpable, in my opinion. Um, and you know, even though it was, as everyone is saying, the worst game of the season, you know, I go back to when. Pierre-Luc Dubois came out of the room after that that horrible loss in Pittsburgh. And, you know, you wrote this, you quoted it, but sometimes it, it, you know, being there and seeing the passion, I remember him just saying, we're a good team. We're a good team. I think these guys are really, really committed to this. You know, and and we also don't know, too, to your point of are they saying, is this all you're going to leave us with? We don't know for sure. I mean, there were reports throughout the summer of what the Jackets maybe tried to do. Um, and we don't know how much of this may or may not get to the players or at least maybe the leadership group. They may know there were attempts to do things. And so it's not like management did nothing either, right? But right. I, I, I do agree. I think that this is a group that wants to say, oh, yeah, well, we'll stick it to you. Yeah, yeah. And to me, like a, a team's committedness – the team's commitment level, commitment, commitment's the word, not committedness. <laughs> Although I'm gonna, I'm gonna write committedness down because that's a great word. Um, I think you measured by their defensive uh, ferocity. Yeah. And this yeah, team yeah. has, it's not their, uh, not their offensive flow. That's the fun stuff. This team, I think, has played with the defensive ferocity since that Pittsburgh game. That really makes you take note if i'm a leafs fan and i see pierre luke dubois come off the wall against austin matthews and mm. beat him to the net and mm-hmm. score you go jeez kid what yeah. are you doing yeah like you can't just seed that that space and you're not seeing that on the other end of the ice like they're not they don't have an austin matthews we've talked about their finish or their lack of finish they don't have those guys they don't have mitch marner wheeling and dealing down there they've got some good, good players they don't have the, that level of player but they are busting ass on the defensive side of the game uh, from the neutral zone forward. And that, that that's become really, really clear to me. Yeah, and I think, too, you know, it's they could have won the last four, but I think what's helping that also is they're seeing the results, right? They hand Carolina their first loss of the season, who's playing exceptionally well and offensively yep. minded. They go into Toronto and beat a really good Toronto team. So I think this, again, just continues to feed the commitment, the if you want to call it the identity. Um, but but they are playing so, so strong defensively. It's, it's And I think maybe that's why it gets frustrating when people don't see the finish because they know how hard everyone works on the right. ice. But, uh, yeah, it's, 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 a def- it's a really sound defensive game, which is what this team has been about for, for a long time with a little bit of frosting on top, but that's what they've always been. Which is crazy because they're coached by this raging lunatic who has no idea what he's doing. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, that's the narrative still with some people, right? Well, Which is hilarious. <laughs> what well, was crazy, I don't know if you saw yesterday, Mike Sullivan, who, of course, is good friends with John Tortorella and previously coached right. with him for through many places, um, came out and talked about why he's not having morning skates anymore. And it was the talk of everything. I'm like, John Tortorella started doing that three years ago. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> right. But it is what it is, and, and he comes by his reputation honestly. So, and, and this may—I mean, this is not a laughing matter. He had a cancerous right. growth, skin cancer removed from his forehead. Every I know. Every time they play a game, I get several tweets. 
hey, what happened? Did he get into a bar fight? Yeah. Like, who do you think he is? Yeah. Like, honestly, you think, oh, think he's in the roadside saloon busting up chairs with people? I, it's I can't, hilarious. I can't tell you how many times I've had to write back, no, actually cancer. I mean, it's just, but, it, but you're right. He had a skin cancer lesion removed or growth, whatever, however you want to put it. But like, no, he didn't get into a bar, a bar fight. Right. What are you talking about? I mean, and, and it's just, I mean, listen, I'm not going to go too far into this, but it's it's a it's a sign of the times these days. We just go to this horrible place and say horrible things about people we don't even know. And the truth is actually pretty serious. And you know what? I'm going to keep telling people when they make snarky remarks because it's just it's just not a cool thing to do. I just aside from the seriousness of it, and 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 to be clear, it is a it is the most common form of skin right. cancer. Right. It rarely leads to anything more than what he had done. So he's going to be fine. But this idea that it probably was a bar fight, right, is like hilarious to me because the guy's not hanging out in bars, and he's not fighting everything that moves. Um, and not to belabor the point here, but only 14 people have coached more games in the NHL than this guy who doesn't know what he's doing. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Only 15 people have won more games than this guy who doesn't know what he's doing. Right. I mean, I, and, you know, you could go on and on. You know what's crazy? Tell me. Allison. I'm ready. He has spent, he has, we, we could do a whole show on this. We should have him as a guest. Oh, sometime. he'd love that. He would love that. He has spent more games with the Blue Jackets than he did the Rangers now. Huh. Interesting. Isn't that, wild? that is wild. And, and this coach that never sticks anywhere because he's a raging lunatic, has, in three of his four places, stayed far longer than the NHL average coaching mm -hmm. tenure. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not even close. He's, he's, like, way beyond it. Anyways, I digress. Uh, we get back to the uh, to the, <laughs> the Blue Jackets on ice here. Um, I just think, I, I think, you know, this is the kind of team he loves. Oh, yeah. I think a lot of that stuff last year that a lot of people found distasteful, he did as well. Uh, but he's got this group dialed in right now. Uh, two of the players, and we, we've talked at length, I think, about Alexander Wenberg, how he looks at least back to where he was in sixteen seventeen. I don't mm -hmm. think he's got, you know, the numbers quite yet to show that pace, but he's playing really, really well, and he's playing in the way – they want him to play. So Wenberg is back, I think. been saying that for a while. I think Oliver Bjorkstrand's better than ever. And I think we've seen him take it to uh, the next level. We've been saying before this season, when you lose what they lost, you need you, you need more guys to say, you know, I was a secondary scorer, now I'm a primary scorer. Right. You need more guys to say, I'm, I'm everything I do offensively is gravy, to say, no. I'm a secondary scorer now. Like those guys, somebody has to elevate. Some buddies have to elevate. What's going on with Bjorkstrand to you, Allison? Because th this guy, this guy's different. This guy's like a, a a new and improved Oliver Bjorkstrand. I think it's more than just he needs to play all of this year like he did at the end of this year because I think there's even more to him right now than there was at the end of last year. Yeah, and what, what I'm seeing from him, and this is a good thing for any player, but you see a play that impresses you and you go, that was Oliver Bjorkstrand? I mean, that yeah. that has happened to me, if, and it's awesome, it, you know, quite a few times in this young season. I, I see him definitely more assertive in the transition game. 
I see him really working on more so entries, but also some exits with possession, which is something he can do. I see him really pushing with an aggressiveness to his game. I think that, you know, he, to your point, I think he always knew that his role is, is primarily to score goals. That's his, uh, that's his gift. But he also is, you know, we always talked about play away from the puck. I would suggest now it's more about his play with the puck, but not shooting. He's getting that hardness on the puck. He's working on maintaining possession on his own stick. Those are the things I'm noticing in his game and why I think that's important is that it challenges opponents to be ready for him other than taking away his shot, right? It challenges them to say, oh, this is a guy we have to be concerned about other than just, oh, he's going to shoot from the right circle and he's got a really good release, so just stand in the way kind of thing. Um, And that's obviously oversimplified. But I think he's making himself another variable for opponents to consider, which helps not only him, but also his line mates and and thus the whole team. Now let me ask you something. This is putting you on the spot a little bit. Oh boy. It's something I've I've wondered a little bit. I need to speak to Ollie about this perhaps. 2017-18, kind of his breakout year. Yep. He had 11 29 40. So those are that's that's a nice little line. 11 goals, 29 assists, 40 points. Since then he has 25 goals, 13 assists. In other words, 2 to 1 goals to assist. This is like it looks like a Hoyt Wilhelm number next to his name, 25 and 13. It looks like a pitcher's <laughs> a pitcher from the 1950s record. Where are the where have the assists gone with him? Is is it because he's scoring? Like more shots are going in and there aren't I can't imagine that counts for all of it, but where it's it's weird to me cuz he he's a really good puck mover. Well, it's a really interesting question. And, you know, my first thought that that comes to mind is, well, who is he playing with? Um, Last year was kind of a mixed bag, as we remember. But, you know, this year, again, it's very early. But he's with, if he's with Nyquist and then, of course, Winberg, I mean, he's not going to be making plays for them as much as they're going to be making plays for him. Um, I wonder if it has something to do with that. it would also be interesting to look at if the assists were more front-loaded while the goals were more late in the season loaded, if that makes sense. You know, we always talk about how he yeah. comes on late. Is that part of it? I'd have to dig into that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, the Blue Jackets have five players with five points and eight players with four or more through nine games. So kind of how they drew it up where it's coming. I don't think anybody expected a point-a-game guy here. Right. But it's going. It's kind of coming from from everywhere. The one spot it's not coming from, at least at even strength so far, the shots are there. He's got 37 in nine games, but Cam Atkinson has yet to score a goal that's not on the power play so far this season. What's going on? He didn't have a shot on goal last night until the breakaway. I know. Um, and and he didn't score that, which you know is is just burning a hole in his soul right now. What's going on with his game? Uh, Allison, what do you what do you see from from number thirteen? Yeah, I mean this this is a guy who is, and someone actually asked me this on Twitter a couple of days ago. You know, we always talk about if if you look at stats that can be predictive, it's all about regressing to the mean, sometimes for better, sometimes for worse. And the the question that was posed to me was, you know, this team shooting percentage is so low, should we expect that to regress to the mean, meaning improve, get better? And Cam Atkinson is the poster child for that. 
um, because he's a guy that has a historically strong and higher than average shooting percentage. So I, I do think there's some of that with him. He This has happened to him before. He goes in lulls of of converting, but I think he's also a player where he needs he needs to see the results to keep going. To your point, one shot late last night isn't great, um, so right. he he just can't let himself get frustrated and just keep at it. Because, in my opinion, more than any other player on this roster, if you want to see stuff start to come in bunches, it's going to be him just because of how he plays, the player he is, and. And, and how the law of averages just works out. Yeah. And when you talk about finish and the Blue Jackets' lack of finish, I'm sure every time, <laughs> I'm sure every every time somebody says that, his ears perk up. Oh, sure. Right? Like, oh, that's sure. me. You're yeah. talking about me. Uh, he's by far and away this, the team leader in shots on goal, 37. Next is Seth Jones, believe it or not, 25. But two power play goals. And so he's always sort of scored goals. I think a lot of these guys do like snakes eat, right? Like they go three three or four days without and then kaboom, they, there's a a huge meal there. They get hot and it, and it carries them for a little while. Um, so we'll, we'll see what's up with him. I think getting back to this guy, because we just talked about one of the most amazing statistics for me from this first stretch of games is that that who leads this team in faceoff wins is second in faceoff winning percentage, Alexander Wenberg. Mm-hmm. Um, and you talk about the stuff that that has saddled this young man um, from the start. He's he's never been particularly good at faceoffs, and here he is. I mean, at 51 percent, he had a rough night last night, but fifty one percent, he would kill to have that number. Right. Uh, in any game, much less over a nine-game stretch in previous, he's third, second on the team among forwards in ice time. Think about that. Alexander Wenberg is nineteen oh six, which is way above his normal. So they they feel like they have found something there. Go yeah, ahead. yeah, and I mean we look at, you know, obviously the Jackets were the road team last night, but you know he he was the guy that was playing the most minutes against Matthews last night. He was the guy that Torts was trying to get a matchup with in Chicago for overtime. He yeah. is the guy that he went to first in overtime the game pri- the the game prior. You know, this is this is someone who's earning his coach's trust for yeah. a lot of little reasons, not just because he can score, not just because he does this one thing. It's a lot of little things that are that are deposits in the bank account of John Tortorella. Yeah, it's crazy. He's up four minutes per game. That's insane. Ice time. That's insane. It really is. It really is. Um, real quick, Josh Anderson returned last night after I think he'd been out since game two. Correct. Uh, Fox Sports Ohio reported his shoulder injury. Uh, how did he look to you? There's a little rust there. I think he wants to want. Oh, I can't remember yeah. who set him up. But oh, my word. Uh, he put it over the crossbar. How did he look to you in his return? Yeah, I mean, I think he looked fine. Um, you know, if it if it is a shoulder injury, I'm sure there's probably some, you know, as, as players always say, you have to take that first hit to know that it's okay <laughs> kind of thing. Right. Um, so I think there might be some of that with him. But he certainly wasn't a liability. And, and now he just has to connect fully with the way he needs to play um, because he's a hu- huge part of this team, as we all know. Yeah, and not a sniper, but he's a big part of that finish yeah, yeah. You talk about because this is a guy that's approached 30 goals now for a couple of seasons. Uh, Ryan Murray missed the Saturday game against the Islanders. Um, 
we were told he could have played if it were the playoffs. But this is a team that has bragged about its defensive depth. If you've got those guys, you believe in those guys, why in the world would you send a guy out that's not 100%? Right. Um, so rely on that. So they sent Kukan out for sorry, Kukin out for <laughs> Saturday's game. Murray was back last night against Toronto. Now they have said he's not going to take part in every practice that they're going to spare him the wear and tear. But according to John Tortorella in training camp, they didn't have plans to sit him momentarily for games. Right. So maybe this, and, and, and to be clear, they didn't just decide to sit him Saturday. There was an issue coming out of the Chicago game where he had, a, he had tests done and, and, you know, this is what doesn't feel good. Um, but he could have played had he pressed and probably would if it were the playoffs. I think this is something that, that maybe they should consider in games, though, too, especially if, true to their word, they believe in their defensive depth. Now, Murray, last night, he's been, I think he, did he, was he back with Nudo, he's back with Nudovara. Correct. I mean, I, I it <clears throat> seems to me reasonable, and Allison, I'm curious to get your take on this. Should they just, should they sit him once every two weeks or in back-to-backs? How should they handle this going forward? I suppose it matters if it's a one, if it's a the result of a hit in Chicago, right, as right. compared to just a degradation from playing. I think you have to weigh those things. But, but what's going on with Murray, and, and how worried are you about this? Um, it, it, I mean, it, unfortunately, you 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 worry about a player who's had some of the issues like he has had. But I, I thought he was quite strong last night. He led the team in even strength ice time. He led the team in individual scoring chances in individual shot attempts. I, I, I have no problem with load management, intelligent load management, really for any player. Um, it, it's a common theory in basketball. And I, particularly with this depth, I thought Kukin was, was good in his game. Um, I liked him with Nudavara. I think that that was part of the advantage in why he drew in is that he's a little bit more offensive, a little bit like Murray uh, compared to Scott Harrington. If you have the depth and the depth can perform, which this depth has shown in the playoffs and in their other opportunities, I have absolutely zero issue with saying, you know what, take this one, Ryan. It, we're going we're gonna to play with the other guys in, in, in the stable and, and, and let you just maintain a good level of health. Yeah, plays sixty-eight games this year. Absolutely. Yeah, by by choice, by by your own call. Like, right. Just chill out. You don't have to play eighty-two games. He did that a few years ago. Yeah. You know, to one end, right? Like like be right. healthy at the at the when it really, really matters time of the year. Right. Yeah. Exactly. 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 So Blue Jackets now four, three, and two. They've got Carolina in town on Thursday. That that game in Carolina was fantastic, and we mm-hmm. we have we had well I have I have <laughs> just just assailed the Hurricanes for how awful it has been to watch them play hockey. But I don't. There's no denying that game that they that these two teams played earlier in the season was fantastic, and the yeah. speed of it was outrageous. The Blue Jackets get an off day today, much needed. Yep. But there were some guys looking kind of tired. Uh, last night they'll get back i would imagine with the brief practice on wednesday so they should be recharged 
uh, for Thursday against Carolina. And then there's Saturday at Philadelphia. So a couple of back-to-back Metro games coming up here. Big games for them. Uh, Allison, anything to add to this podcast before we get out of here? I, I think this this team is ready to be done with overtime for a little bit right? here. <laughs> yes, it was refreshing just to not have a 3-2 game last night, wasn't I, it? I tell you. Who would have thought the Blue Jacks would put up four on Toronto? There you go. Yeah. Well, one thing we need to talk about maybe in future podcasts is, is their three-on-three overtime play. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cause, and I know, <laughs> I know people are tired of talking about he who left. Um, but that guy played about three and a half minutes of, right. of five on, on three on three overtime. Um, and now it's sort of like, all right, who's the guy? Yeah. I think I'm you're getting that feel a little bit, but anyways, huge win in Toronto, uh, on Monday night, Gustav Nyquist, the, the penalty shot game winning goal in overtime. Never seen that before. Hmm. Uh, and the blue jackets are feeling pretty good about themselves for Allison Lukey and Aaron Portsign here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Uh, Thanks to our producer, Adam Gracia, and we will talk to you on Friday.